Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm Farron, your host, and here with me today we have Heather. Hello. And Raimi. Hello. So today we're going to talk about a movie where a family learns the uh, unfortunate truth about digging a pool and the consequences thereof. Of course, we're talking about Poltergeist, which premiered on the 4th of June, 1982, and was directed, theoretically, by Toby Hopper, who also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, it was written by Steven Spielberg, Michael Grays, and Mark Victory, and it stars Joe Beth Williams, uh, Craig T. Nelson, and a lot of dead bodies, and a midget with a great southern accent. So, I said it sort of theoretically, directed by Toby Hopper. Here's the thing. Uh, when this movie was on, Spielberg was prepping E.T., and his contract said he couldn't direct another film. And yet he did all the storyboarding for this film. He was there. He yelled action and cut. He did all the casting. He did just about everything. And in fact, there was a Directors Guild of America investigation that found <clears throat> no evidence that he deserved a, a credit. But pretty much anyone who's on the film will say Spielberg directed this. But he couldn't take credit for it or it would have been a violation of his, uh, his universal contract for E.T., but one of the girls he auditioned for Carol Ann wasn't angelic enough. But he held on to her and cast her as Birdie, the girl in uh, E.T., uh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, no. she, she auditioned for this part. <laughs> so I guess since I'm the only one who saw this as a kid, I'll start. I saw this, my parents rented it for me, and it scared the absolute shit out of me. My parents were totally cool with me watching movies like this. Like, they rented The Terminator for me. I've been watching the news. They, they, they would just tell me, you know, like, it's... You know, the news is real. What you're seeing is terrible. What you see in movies is not real. And so I didn't know, you know, one of those kids with the parents said, you know, here's reality, here's not. So I never had trouble with that. But this movie scared the shit out of me. Like, I couldn't watch it for years. Even the name Poltergeist bothered me. Because I remember in elementary school, there was a kid, he, he, he mispronounced it, Poltergeist. And I just have in my head this shrieking voice, Poltergeist really high pitch. I don't know why, but it scares the shit out of me. And it was like that until, I guess, the mid-90s. I caught it on The Late Show. And it didn't scare me anymore. Like, it's just fantastical. It's not terrifying the way, as a kid, it was. Maybe it's because I was afraid of my closet. I don't know. But So neither of you have seen this. So Heather, what do you think? Honestly. Uh, it's a little slow. It's... <laughs> Took a long time to get going. Yeah, I, I can imagine it would have worked better, like in a, a big screen with the speakers and the mm -hmm. sounds coming from different places and yeah. stuff. But here, but if fully lit, <laughs> warm room, warm room in the afternoon, it's a uh, mostly boring. Okay, fair enough, Remy. Um, yeah, same thing. A little bit slow. Uh, I found that the, you know, the set. It's really just set in their house. Yeah, it, it doesn't. There's no. I don't know. There's no action to propel. And then they'll have this like brief thing of action. And then it's just not, I guess we get accustomed to these CG action driven movies in today's yeah. day and age. So when you go back to something like this, where they didn't have all of that to build mm -hmm. story and to do all of that, it was, yeah. So it was, it was a little bit, it was a little tough. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, it's not a terrible movie. The scariest part was the creepy clown at the end, but <laughs> The, uh, it wasn't a terrible movie and I, I kind of, I actually, it's something that I don't know if I would watch it again, but yeah. I think that it's, I don't think it's a terrible movie. Well, that's fair. Yeah. It's, it's one of those films. I mean, it is a slow burn, right? Because at first, when we, you know, the first paranormal thing we see, which is the, the stuff in the kitchen where, you know, with the stacking of the chairs, which again, is a practical effect. There's almost no special effects in this film. What they would do is, you know, you see the, the, the chairs just sitting around the table and the camera follows her to the kitchen or like under the sink. And what happens is the stagehands ran in, grabbed the table or grabbed the chairs. And then in its place, all the chairs, you know how they're stacked in this weird pyramid on top of the table. They're nailed together as one big unit. So they could just set the whole table and chairs down in one shot. Right. That's how they did it. There's no pausing of the camera. They did it in one shot. It was pretty cool. So, you know, but the first time we see that, it's playful. Like she thinks it's the coolest thing ever. She's letting her daughter do this. You know, despite the fact that she can feel internally that something's going on there. Steven, come on, how are you doing? Oh. Oh, come on, honey, try. Uh-huh. It's like, it's like there's this tickling, you know, right in here, and, and it starts to pull you. The tickling pulls you. And all of a sudden, it's like there's no air except that you can breathe. And, and you're getting pulled along. And it's, by the time you realize something, I mean, 
we realize something's wrong because we've seen it. We've seen like a kid screaming at a TV, which even you guys said that's really disturbing. But the first time the adults encountered it, it's almost playful. You know, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty slower. creepy. Like the first scene is they're all sleeping and then she goes down and starts talking to the snow on the TV. And she's talking to it like having a one-sided conversation with something. And yeah. that is, you know, something's going on. But clearly she's answering questions. Yeah, that Five, was... Five, I don't know. Yes. Totally okay. creepy. Yeah totally creepy man i know kids imaginations and i and they play on that a little bit as kids kids imaginations are far more playful and you well, know they're more expansive right expansive than ours and so i remember they think she's sleepwalking remember they talked yeah. about that yeah. they freaked out oh what happens with the pool what if caroline sleepwalks into the pool remember that's right like, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you know sleepwalking can be creepy as hell but you don't usually have conversations at a tv like that but and then the hand reaches out later on. But well, yeah. Was, yeah, that was the second night when the hand, yeah, yeah. because then everything, then I was in the bedroom, right? And everything pours out of the TV into the wall above the the parents' headboard. They're here. Yeah, it's funny that in the 80s, paranormal is cool. It's like, I think back to a lot of the stuff happening and their shows out right now, Stranger Things is mm -hmm. a new TV show where they've really tried to encompass that 80s paranormal. Yeah you know, UFO sightings and all this stuff. And, and ultimately in this movie, it starts out cool. There's cool stuff. And People so are excited and about and this stuff not, happening. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know about you, but if I was in my lit kitchen and a chair shot across I'd the floor, it, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be like, oh man, that's cool. I'd be moved out within an hour. Like, oh, bye. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd be out of the house in a minute and the movers would go get my stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's We can look at this and you realize, of course, it's all bullshit. There are no poltergeists. Sorry, bad news. Uh, or maybe good, actually good news, I would think, because otherwise I got a few people who want to have a conversation with me. Um, you know, ang angry relatives I didn't spend enough time with. But yeah, like it's, it's terrifying because you realize something's really angry. And you never, and, and, and it's cool because at first you don't realize who they're angry. Like they have conversations with the kid, but is it Carol Ann they want? Is it the whole family? Is it the house that's the problem? Is it the TV people? And I like how they play on the snow. Like this is something that a modern audience, like if you're, I guess, around 20 or less, you might never have seen this. But, you know, you remember it used to be, we were talking about this, like we don't see that anymore because the movie starts with the national anthem as one of the major networks winds down for the night. Canada and the U.S. the same thing where they play the national anthem and then the signal cuts out and it's snow. When you see snow on the TV today, it's being transmitted. It's, it's fake. But the snow we saw is lack of signal. And you know, the, the camera is zoomed in so close. You're not, I mean, you know what you're listening to because we're familiar with it. But I wonder what it would be like someone in their 20s who's not familiar with snow having the camera that close to the TV where it's blurry and you're not quite sure what you're looking at. Like it creates a sort of an otherworldly quality to it. At least that's what yeah. I found. Yeah. But yeah. What really stood out for me this time, I think is, it is the slow burn. And it's mostly because I'm watching it with you guys that I remember it being much faster. And I think I saw this about a year ago. I've watched this many times, but I realize it is very much a slow burn, but that's so that's very much a Spielberg thing, right? He doesn't hitch, he never beats you. Spielberg never beats you with a baseball bat. And I think the playfulness, like when you realize that this is a Steven Spielberg, like remember I said, this is a Steven Spielberg production. And what was the first damn credit? Steven Spielberg. Steven. But it has that Steven Spielberg feel and it almost lulls you into a sense of complacency. Oh, this will be fun. It'll be fantastic. It'll be playful. And again, with the stuff in the kitchen, it seems playful until you realize there's something really malicious going on here. They made a sequel called uh, called Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, which explains who the beast is. And it's fucking terrifying. Once you realize what it is that's at play in this house, it's much worse than this movie plays on. But it's a much, it's a, it's a vastly inferior film because, you know, Spielberg and crew had moved on right. with someone else. Right. 
you know, it's, uh, I like that it's a slow learn that you realize slowly, oh my God, get out of the house. You know, whereas you think of other horror films of the 70s and 80s, Amityville Horror or The Haunting, which is from the 60s, not the shitty remake in 2000. Those, they hit you right off the bat with how malicious the whatever is. And here, like you say, it starts off playful. And that's, that's I think it's almost worse. It's insidious because you realize, you, like, you, you realize you've been lulled into a sense of complacency. Like there's, I mean, look, you went to see a movie called Poultrygeist. You probably weren't expecting uh, kisses and puppies. And if you were, what the hell's wrong with you? Well, we did both make a comment when they kissed. So maybe that's what we were yeah, expecting. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There's two married people in this conversation. Yeah. I remember when. <laughs> the uh, the funny thing is about that is the whole movie, I'm sitting here going, why are you guys still in the house? And I realized their daughter is there and they want to stick around. But why is the son and the other daughter still in the house? Yeah. I'd be like, instantly out, yeah. get out of here. Like maybe I'd stick around because my kid is like lost in the house somewhere. Yeah. But keeping the kids yeah, around yeah. and then people are coming over and they're hanging out and I know they're paranormal crew or whatever yeah. but it's like burn it down yeah well <laughs> the, the damn things are so close you take out all your neighbors but that's what that, that's the neat thing about it is like this this presentation of suburbia this sort of the utter normalness of it it's a lot like it reminds me a lot of E.T. the same sort of thing that sort of utterly normal suburban cookie cutter house existence what could be more prosaic what could be more chill and unexciting well it's when he was sh showing that couple the houses for sale yeah it's their kitchen that's the, what they said it's they're all the same I, I i can't tell them apart yeah well i mean they make a point of having the exact same shot going from yeah. the freelings kitchen to the new kitchen and all that's changed is the blinds are a different color this yeah. shitty green but yeah it's all that but that's what i like like i said it's it's, it's the same with the sort of the slow burn it's this everything's wonderful and idyllic and you probably live in this sort of community and i did i lived in deer run which might as well be Cuesta verde or cuesta verde whatever it's called it's that sort of suburban cookie cutter house that that architecture style you know where everyone can bike around and all that sort of stuff it's all there and there's something fucking nasty waiting this is what happens when you when you when you dig a pool i guess well in a graveyard yes this is true this is true you know the funny thing is is that they went so much further than that in the second film and you realize it has nothing to do with the graveyard it has to do with something under the graveyard oh. which is even worse but yeah so you know it's it's kind of like so they show the suburbia they show the you know the the guy with the with the beer who gets tripped up by those two prick kids with their rc cars <laughs> and the clicker wars with the uh with the remote control because they're on the same uh, frequency which i've seen that we, i had that yeah me too with a neighbor once in a while it's kind of funny yeah we weren't close enough that it was a problem but you did we were yeah when uh when shoffers came out with the infrared remotes oh, okay we found out what the guy across the street watched and it was not pg oh my <laughs> well we, we weren't subscribed to that channel but he was but our tv would go to you know the nasty channel, yeah. <clears throat> and and <laughs> like this little this little clip would run, and we're like, uh, did did you do that? She's like, nope. Did you do that? Nope. <sighs> it's funny. Well, when people, uh, I, when people uh, get their houses now, mm -hmm. I'll tell them when they're reprogramming their garage door openers or trying to program their car to open their garage door or don't use the them. other one we get is the keypad they were white court wireless keypad mm -hmm. to get because we code it and mm -hmm. then they have to go change the code okay. and there's a learn button on the back of those garage door openers and right. if you're holding that button down when your neighbor comes home you'll get their garage door <laughs> opener so yeah. that's the big oh my garage door opener opens my neighbor's garage yeah it's because they were that's hitting hilarious. that learn button when that frequency got yeah oh it used to be worse when, off. Said when, uh, when sputnik came over it would open all the automatic garage door openers cool we're talking that we're to old sputnik that's what like 50 58 59 something like that and the first automatic remote garage yeah. door openers it would set off on my father's street on code st <laughs> luke all the garage door <laughs> everyone who had an automatic garage door would open and close well and i think it's a neat uh part of this movie is they're showing this remote wars between the neighbors yeah and showing that there's an electrical or a frequency issue yeah and it, oddly enough this ends up there a bunch of frequency and electrical issues with the paranormal activity so yeah it's just kind of funny that they show that i don't know as like almost like a comical like yeah. you said lull you into a or, oh, everything's fine. Yeah, or maybe you think that maybe you'll turn out there are no ghosts. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 all incidental. Yeah, it's yeah. like the haunting. Have you ever seen that movie? Like no, I, I I I don't watch horror movies. It's, it's it, this one's worth watching because there's not a single ghost in it. You remember from Empire Strikes Back? What's in the cave? Only what you bring with you. Right. This woman is convinced this house is haunted, but it's not. She is. 
she's not well. The movie is absolutely terrifying, but there's nothing abnormal about this house. Huh. But it's presented in such a way that it's... I'm not talking about... The, they did a remake with Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones, and the less said the better. But the original 1960s version I saw with commercials in black and white, that should be a killer. It terrified me because they played it up as like the house... You're never sure what's wrong with this house. And that was what, what's brilliant about it. And, I, and when I remember as a kid thinking, well, maybe that's what's going to go on here. But no, no. The, the cute little generic suburbia ain't so much cute. And like they have, you know, they set things up like the storm in the tree. Like a tree has a face. Yeah. Yeah. A tree outside. It sure the, did. Out, out, out the boys. And I kept expecting, and even I, every time I see this, I think to myself, is that face going to turn and look at the boy? Is the face somehow involved? But it never is. It's, it's a red herring. It's just creepy. Yeah. It's a red herring. You're focused. And Spielberg knows you're focused. This is him screwing with you the way uh, Hitchcock does. You're focused on that damn face, but it ain't the face that's the problem. No. You know, and then they have you counting along with the kid, and he teaches him how to, how to track the storm. You know, I think the storm's going to pass us. How do you know? Because I can count. You know what you do? When you see the lightning... You count until you hear the thunder. If you can count higher each time, that means the storm's moving away from us. If lightning goes off, you start mm -hmm. counting, and if you count to three this time and four next time, it means the storm's moving away. But we know things start to go wrong when he starts screaming that count. And that's terrifying because he's generating the fear, yeah. the boy. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's that's a you know, that first storm. It's really cool because you'd figure in a modern horror movie, I'm sure that that first storm would have been the beginning of all hell breaking loose. But here, no, no, it's just a storm. Relax, kid. Watch the movie. It's almost like you're being told along with the kids. Just chill. It's just a storm. Just a storm. And well, it is, a, but but we know it's something because we see that sucker coming in, and it it looks like the um, it looks like the clouds that were over the the uh, well of souls in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's you know it's 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 scary, but it's just weather. Right. And then of course the next day is when they discover the cool stuff in the kitchen, and obviously. Dad isn't depressed with that. She thinks it's cool, but then she smokes a lot of weed. So, you know. They've already proved themselves to be responsible. Responsible parents. Yeah, mom and mom and dad are in the, in, in the yeah, in their bedroom that one night, and they're joking yeah. around. And it's, that's just goofy couple stuff. Yeah. But she's high as a kite. He's lying on the bed, you know, making a, uh, uh, a joint. There's green shit all over the comforter, and the kid comes in, like, and she tokes one quick toke before she puts it down. <laughs> like, oh, my kid's here. <laughs> Better hit that quick. <laughs> like, this is like, Jesus yeah. Christ. I Parenting mean, 101 in the 80s, right? I, I hope not. I don't know. Yeah. My parents are going to smoke weed. So I, my, my parents are conservative Jews from Montreal. They missed the 60s. But, Fair enough. You know, they... My parents didn't miss the 60s, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just... It's funny because learning as we grew up 16, 17, 18, older pretty common practice smoking in the car like my mom was two packs a day yeah. my dad smoked and we're just sitting in the back of the car no car seats no nothing just a different time so yeah. i look at that now and i'm like oh oh, parenting 101 but that's the neat thing about this movie that's like it's it's it, this is a snapshot of my childhood i mean minus the house trying to kill me i've never had that right granted it's there's still time i'm only 42 but no house has yet tried to kill me but everything else feels so familiar to me the suburbia the toys like i, I point out that yoda that little mm -hmm. cool yoda rubber doll i have one it's I, I own one of those. I probably had half those Star Wars toys. And what I love is that this this film is aware that they live in the real world. What is this boy going to play in 1981? Empire Strikes Back has just come out. Star right. Wars. Is there anything else? No. No. Though I, got, I mean, everything is, is as I remembered as a kid, except for that creepy-ass headboard the girl has, which the wireframe oh, thing. Yeah. It looks like, I don't know, like Ivy coming to get her or something. It's We had chairs with that on it in the 80s. Really? Yeah, the loopy gold tui crap. Yeah, but this is all I don't know. I just I found it creepy. I don't know why. I oh, know it's horrible. It, yeah, <laughs> it was tacky then. Yeah. Well, I don't mean. Yeah, I mean yeah, yeah, tacky too. But I just I found it scary. Huh. I'm always remembered of the reminded of the uh, the clown bed that uh, that Simpson <laughs> builds part. Can't sleep. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> can't sleep. Can't clown will eat me. But uh, well, and that's the creepy clown at the end of his bed too. And I I mean I like clowns. I grew yeah. up like I want a clown when I was five, and it became clowny. And I think I slept with it till mm -hmm. I was maybe fourteen or something embarrassing like that. But I still have it. Why? My, yeah. Recorded forever on our podcast. Yeah, my right? my grandma has repaired it, and it's one day I might give it to my daughter. But clowns clowns are creepy as. Sh 
shit. And that yeah. clown had like jagged teeth and yeah. was like sitting at the end of the bed and he covers it every night. Just move the damn clown. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of the clown. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, and that's another red herring, right? We, so I mean, yeah, the very end of the film, the clown comes after him, but up until then, we keep being, we, we're focused on the, the knot in the tree that looks like a face. We're focused on the lightning. We're focused on the clown. And none of those pay off. No, I, I started disregarding the clown. Yeah. Until yeah. the end. Yeah, well, that's, that's the and point, the right? And the pool's the same thing. Check the pool, nothing in the pool. Yeah. yeah. The pool, the kid's going to be sick in the pool, nothing in the pool. And then all of a sudden, she's... The, she, the mom is, She takes yeah. the worst tumble ever later on in a scene where she's... And all the bodies come ...walking out. straight and tumbles 16 times and slides into the bottom of the pool. Um, but then, it's just, like you said, it's the red herring where some of them go nowhere and some of them are going to lead you to... Yeah. Well, because they can't... And it's like, it's like they keep saying, ah, we've been screaming with the clown. Don't worry about the clown. And at the end of the film, it's the clown yeah. that comes after the boy. Yeah, so the next night is when the tree attacks. Like, we have the same thing. The, the storm comes and the boy starts to count. But this time he starts screaming it. Yeah. They're, it's like they're... And I really like that. Like, he starts screaming, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one. And then, of course, what happens? The tree just... Just comes <laughs> reaching through. Reaches in for him. Reaches in and grabs him with both arms. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one... And that was cool as hell because the, the the fear is as much from the reaction these kids have, the freak out, like everyone's screaming, like even you made the joke at the end, like the teenage girl screaming, what's happening? It's like, <laughs> that's where, I, I found that's where a lot of the fear was generated, the terror these children are feeling. At least that's what I found. That's where the, that's where the terror mm-hmm. came from. You know, and the thing, and, and you know, the tree's trying to eat this boy, and of course, we learn that's that's the distraction. Well, I think yeah. creepy to that is the boy screaming, and the girl it stays almost calm through the entire movie. The teenager. Oh no, oh, no Carolina! Oh, she's so young. She. I think that's even creepier. Yeah. Is when she's just like, "Oh, I'm right here, mommy. I can see you." From the other side of yeah. the TV, it's like well, that, that's creepy. Well, part of it is she doesn't understand, right? And remember, she's made friends with the things on the TV. Right. She she's had two conversations, two full on conversations with them. She seems to have no, and of course they've presumed. Remember, they said that. Remember that when the, when the, finally the scary little midget, the southerner comes and says, "To us, she is the. To us, it is the beast. But to her, she's like a it's child. Just a kid. It's another child. Yeah. What is threatening? For like children are taught that other children should be threatening. I was scared of teenagers as a little kid because they were bigger. And you see movies and yeah. I was scared of adults. You know, you always be wary of adults because I was, you know, I was raised in the real world. But when you see a kid your age, you turn off your threat meter. And so why would, why would Carol Ann be scared by a child who's been nice to her, who's been having conversations for two nights with her? Yeah, it's a little weird, but she's five. Do you think she knows any better? If you started communicating with your two-year, two-year-old through the TV, would your kid have any idea that was abnormal? No, probably no. not. She's not old enough to understand. And, you know, so when she's you know, like, you're right, she's so calm, you know, outside her brother is being eaten by a tree. And remember, she's only two, she's only one bed away. They share a room. She's sitting there quietly. I think mostly she's just stunned. Yeah. You know, deer in the headlights sort of thing. And, you know, the closet opens up and every kid's worst nightmare. The closet, there's something in the closet waiting for you. Start sucking everything in. Yes. Did a better yes. job yes. than the kids. movers at the end. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the movers left more than yeah. You're right. The movers left more than than the, than than the poltergeist did, and it sucks her in. And what I love is that there's nothing violent about it. Like she just she's pulled in. Like they could have gone on a bad way with that movie. I think if they had shown Caroline, if you notice, is never ever hurt. No, right. the closest we get is when she's pulled out of the wherever, and she's covered in whatever it is, pink, jello. Jip, pink strawberry jello. jello yeah. Sure. I'm actually guessing it was probably um, jello would uh, would dissolve too quickly. I'm, I'm guessing, believe it or not, it was probably um, ballistic gel. No, mm-hmm. uh, but let's see, jelly too thick. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Vaseline. Vaseline. Oh, Vaseline. oh yeah. It's probably Vaseline, um, which is nasty. But that's just it's the movies, right? Yeah. That's the only. It's the closest she gets to being hurt, and all she really is just not breathing. Even the boy, when he comes out of the tree, his nose is all like bloody. A, a, and a few times and, he gets yeah. hurt. A few times. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, it breaks his nose. Uh, shreds his clothing. Remember, he was covered in blood. Yeah. His face was covered in blood, and I'm not sure whether the father was covered in his own blood or his boys, but. That boy got worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That seemed to be acceptable, but the little girl, that was beyond the pale. And that's yeah. just Spielberg knowing where that line was and deciding we will go exactly this far and absolutely no further. Right. Right. Because I don't think the censors, like, I don't, I don't think, I forget who made this movie, but I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have released it with 
shots of you know Carol Ann being batted back and forth and having her head cracking against the the door frame as she was sucked into the uh, into the closet. Everyone gets beat up except her. Yeah. Well, the the the, the teenage girl gets marked, but not um not by the house. Yeah, everyone else take it takes a swing at everyone else, and again because it's the boy, I guess it's a little more yeah. acceptable. The boy and the mom and the dad. Yeah, mostly the boy. Actually, he gets the worst. Mostly yeah, the boy. Yeah, mostly the boy. <laughs> he's he's kind he of beat around. Yeah, and they grab the kid, and it's the boy who notices. Remember, he sort of staggers back in, covered in, I don't know, mud like, and mud and like tree sap, sap or something. It was like this brown, it's like tree barf. Tree barf. I, I, tree barf. Yeah, I've never been attacked by a tree, much like Mr. Miyagi. Never been attacked by a tree, so I don't know if I can split a log. I, you know, yeah, he comes in, he's gross, and he freaks out. And that was a cool scene because he's incomprehensible. Yeah. He has none, and yeah. And it's silent, right? At first, he's silent. He's trying. Yeah, he can't get it. He can't yeah, get it out. He's, he's so He's so scared. scared. He just got eaten by a tree. Yeah, and she comes in and being the grown-up, despite the fact that she just watched a tree try to eat her boy, she looks around the room because she can hear Carol Ann. And she just assumes, okay, Carol Ann's screwing with us. She's hiding under the wherever. And then she realizes, Jesus Christ, the kid's in the TV. Yeah. Well, they did a good I job mean, in the closet first when they go yeah. in there and they're tearing stuff away and everything else. And then it's yeah, the clown it underneath the clown. him. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, well, where is she? Yeah. And yeah. what I liked is that the teenage daughter was helping. Mm-hmm. She was being the grown-up, too. She's yeah. physically larger. I'm guessing she's 15 or 16-ish yeah. in the movie. Um, you know, like, she isn't standing or screaming what's happening. She she's gets moving in, stuff. She's tearing stuff out of that with the parents. And it's like, that's what I like about here. Mom isn't an 80s girl. No. She's a mom. Mom is effective. <laughs> <laughs> Moms do not allow houses to eat their children. But like, as you say, after after eating child number one, why aren't child number two and number three shipped off to somewhere else? Anywhere else. Anywhere else where the house won't eat you. I'm just yeah. saying, yeah. Why is why is the boy okay with being there? He just got eaten by a tree. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't, I didn't, I never got that. Why isn't he at his grandma's no. like yesterday? I want to take a nap tree, with mommy on the couch. Yeah, remember, because the tree's gone, right? Yeah, the tornado ate it. Yeah, yeah, because the tornado, there's a tornado that comes and... You know, it's one of those things you almost think that someone in the movie is going to explain it away. Oh, you weren't really attacked by the tree. The tornado pulled you through the window. And I, you know, you, you'd almost think that someone in the film is going to be the naysayer and say, you guys are out of your mind. But everyone believes them. Because immediately after this whole scene, they go to the local university where apparently they have a paranormal department. Not, you know, not, uh, not staffed by Vinkman. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like these people believe them. And in the 80s, my understanding is there were universities that did have paranormal departments because they still, like, even though this stuff's bullshit, the universities were still willing to fund it until they realized, no, it's bullshit. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. It's actually bullshit. Yeah, like, actually. You know, it, it, it's neat because you look at him and you even, I think as you mentioned, that they did a great job of degrading Craig T. Nelson's character. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he goes... First episode is like, or first... Views like sighting after he looks this. Super healthy, got, and, and yeah, then it's like his eyes are dark, and then all of a sudden he's got a little stubble, and then he just deteriorates to the point where his boss comes in and says, "You look like shit." Yeah. The interesting thing is, is that they give no hint, like between Caroline disappearing and them going to the university. It's clearly been some time. At some point, they mention weeks. Like, well, if you look at the scrape on the boy's nose, mm-hmm. uh, it's not gone, but it started to heal. Yeah, so it's at so least it's a week. So it's a week, yeah. And, like, so they've sat on this for a week. How do you, like, what parent sits on that for a week? We'll just hang out inside the house. In, that ate, they ate my child, and, and maybe they'll try and get another one. Yeah, but she's like, here somewhere. We hear her talking to well, us. Well, and that's the creepy thing. They have this down to a, to a science. They know how to get in touch with Carol Ann. Yeah. And they open the door. Meh. You know, like the black guy saying, oh, I once watched a car move seven feet in seven hours. We had to record it. Yeah, we had to. Yeah, we had to, and, and, and it's like, yeah, you ain't seen nothing. He opens yeah. the door and that's almost comical. You know, with the He-Man riding the My Little Pony. and Yeah, that, that was Spielberg. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, like you said, he, he, he knows when to keep it light. Yeah, and, and then you see the, uh, the lampshade and then the lamp screws itself in and turns itself on. It's not plugged in. You know, and then the books are, are flapping at you. And my favorite was the um, protractor playing the record. Yeah. Because they have records, first off, they have records. Playing the record, free-floating. 
Yeah. I want that record player totally. I'd get back into records if I could free float that record. <laughs> <laughs> but like to them, it's blase. So it's been a week. So like, again, bad parenting. Why aren't you taking your kids elsewhere? Well, what do you do? Though? Who do you tell? Who are you going to call? If, if, if that's next, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> Please leave. <laughs> yeah. But it's, well, that's almost the opposite side of it because that film just makes fun of like these guys are quacks. But in this movie, these paranormal people, they're serious, but they're also sympathetic. Like the, the woman who I always found a little creepy looking, she's got a, she's, her eyes are weird. Her, you know what it is? She's, she's very, she's thin, almost skeletally so. And it shows in the face. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's the sort of thing where I wonder if I had seen this film for the first time, would I wonder if she was in on it? But she's got an almost skeletal look, but it's just they chose a good actress who was exceptionally gaunt. But she's very sympathetic. She holds the mother's hand. She she lets her weep on her shoulder like she, well, she she's a psychologist. She's yeah. She goes to a certain amount of trouble to point out that her certification is psychology. Yeah. Like she says, yeah, there's no, there's no diploma in paranormal. And these other two guys, like they're, they're serious. This yeah. isn't Venkman. No, they're, from they're grad students. They're grad something. students, but they're also serious. Like yeah. they believe they're it. studying this. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then they take it seriously. And this movie takes it seriously too. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I thought it was funny. There was a scene like right after they got into the house and the mom and the kid, the boy are sitting there on the couch and they ask a question and she just kind of like, Oh honey, that was like, you almost got eaten by a tree. It's like the parents are just high they just don't like it was that was one thing that i yeah, found was it, there was it, almost a detachment between what was happening yeah you're, you 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 the tree tried to eat my son and the son and the house ate you know tree tried to eat my son and the house did eat my yeah, daughter and the you know let's the, chill yeah and the kid said something along the lines of oh i'm i was scared or, or something and it's like oh it's okay now dear like you, the tree's not trying to eat you now you're fine yeah that's and it's like what is happening i think but, that's one of the things like they're in the middle of nowhere this is their home yeah where do you go yeah that's true holiday inn well yeah but at the same time, like, but at one point he does say he wants to pack the kids out of the house and he does send them away eventually, but, but mom ain't leaving and he sure as hell isn't leaving while anyone else is still there. I think he, well, partly his job was riding on them staying too. This is true. That's right. Because, yeah, because, well, I don't think it was riding on him staying. I think probably he was given a house as part of his yeah. salary. And it has to look good. That's true. I mean, he's, he's worried, but I mean, at he's that point, the sales he's, guy for yeah. all these houses. Well, and, and, well yeah, that's his and, job. I mean, yeah. And they point out the best salesman ever, and they offer him, they bribe him with a bigger house. You know, right on the edge of that, that, on cemetery. that cemetery. And that's where we realize, holy shit, I'm living on top of a cemetery. How much room for pool is there? We own all the land. We've already made arrangements for relocating the cemetery. Oh, you're kidding Oh, come on. I mean, that's sacrilegious, isn't it? Oh, don't worry about it. After all, it's not ancient tribal burial ground. It's just people. Besides, we've done it before. When? In 76. Right down there. And you can almost write the ending from there on. We'll realize they just moved the headstones. And by the way, that does, that has happened. There are stories of shit like that happening in the States and I'm sure in Canada too. And that's a horror story. The reason we don't hear about it here is we dig basements. California, they don't dig basements. So how'd you know? Until you dug a pool. Until you dig a pool. Yeah. Um, And so of course the whole main thrust of this is remember they say some of the stuff's a hundred, the cameo is a hundred years old. Remember stuff starts coming out of the ceiling at them. The cameo is a hundred years old and this watch is only a few years old and it's not yours, is it? Mr. Freeling says no. So the idea is that this is a burial ground. Now the thing that they sort of, and I'll let you in on sort of what happens in the second film is that we learned that there was actually a cave under this place. Uh, And they got into like native spirituality. It was very clumsily done. You know, the wise native medicine man who can hear the grass grow. It was really stereotypical and kind of bad. But we learn what was under this house and who the beast is. That this is in California or I'm guessing California or Arizona or something like that, somewhere out west. And that a preacher in the 1800s, an apocalyptic preacher. God is in his holy Tall, gray, very gaunt, wearing black with those wide-brimmed hats. You'd see like a little house on the prairie, you know, that the preachers wear. He led his followers out west to wait Judgment Day. And then they hid in this cave 
And when the appointed day came, he would not let them leave. And they begged him, and he said no, and they begged him more, and he sealed the cavern. And he stood there, and he preached over them while they suffocated, while they starved, while they they dehydrated. And the images they show of him standing there and everyone's soaked in sweat is, of course, it's super hot and they can't breathe. And they all died there. And in the second film, we meet this man, this old man. And what it is, is he wants her innocence. It's not in a, in, not in a sexual predator sort of way. Carol Ann is innocent. She's not a sinner. And he wants that. He's hungered for that. They, they mentioned that sh- she was... It's because she's alive. Uh, she was born in the house. Was she? That's the, they made a point of saying that um, it's when he's talking to his boss. He makes a point of saying one of your children was born here. Yeah, born here as in living no, there. No, in the house. Oh, yeah, but did they mean it that like Caroline was literally birthed in the home, in the physical house, or they were living there when mommy popped? That's what I got from it. It's possible. But I'd have to, like, we'd have to go back and listen to that clip again and see. One of your children was born in your house, huh? Carol Ann. Yeah, the point is, so clearly this preacher's been watching her. She's attached to the place. She's attached to the place. More than the other two. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that's part of it. But yeah, like I just, that always, the second film for me, despite it being a bad film, informs the first one because all I see is this. I'm going to sit that picture up for you. Just to scare the cool. shit out of you a little more. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, I've seen mm-hmm. pictures of him. Yes. That's the beast. And I'm your friend. And I know what you are thinking. <sighs> now, let me in. Let's talk about it. Let me in. Let me in. Daddy? Now, before it's too late. You're gonna die in there. All of you. You are gonna die. So, and, and, and like, He's got this scary southern accent. It's very, like, he seems really nice until you realize, he, well, he's the beast. That that scary-ass face that comes out of the closet to growl at them. Yeah, it even looks like that white skeletal long thing. Yeah, and they had no idea who this guy was. That was not invented when oh. the first movie was made. The, the, first, the second movie is typical 80s sequel. Well, that worked. Let's do it again. Yeah. Right. And they made a third one, but by that point, the actress who played Carolina died. They had to replace her. Mm-hmm. That's maybe something else we should talk about. There's always the talk of the poltergeist curse because the actresses who played both girls died. Carolina, the actress who played Carolina, I think Heather Wark was her name, I think. The, the young girl, she caught like a viral infection and apparently it was a fairly common one. But as, you know, tragedy sometimes plays out, it just, it got the better of her and she died. The, the teenage girl, just after the first movie, was... She was killed by her boyfriend, and my recollection is he shot her on her front porch. But whatever it was, it was just some scumbag boyfriend who killed her. So so when you get to the second movie, they just have to explain, oh, she's living with friends. Right. And that was that. They just let her go. And for the third movie, no one wanted back in. Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams, none of them wanted back in the film. Uh, just the little, just the short lady, this this crazy-ass little medium who we learn has a long-standing spiritual relationship with the preacher. And it was all played out in mirrors. It took place with Tom, it was Tom Skerritt and Joan Allen. She played a Robocop's partner. Awesome. Yeah, they played a sort of the aunt and uncle who take her in for the summer. And the preacher keeps coming at her through the mirrors in this apartment building. Huh. It was, a, it was, it was just called Poltergeist 3. It was just a bad film. Yeah. It was the end of that. And because it wasn't the same girl. Because by the time that third movie had made, even if this young girl had not tragically passed, she would have been a teenager by then because the movie was almost 10 years later. Right. But... You know, the first one is its own thing. So, yeah, so after, you know, after we discover the cameo and stuff like that, that's when things get gross for the one guy, for the one teaching assistant, <laughs> who goes to cook a steak. Because naturally, when you're in someone's house and you're hungry, what do you do? You cook a steak in the middle of the night. And unwrap steak out of the fridge and just slap it down on the counter, which was super strange to me. I thought it was wrapped when you took it out of the fridge, but then it was no, it slinking across the... 
Well, yeah. Like, he just takes it out. He was probably sitting on a plate. Oh, I guess, yeah. It could be. I don't, I don't know. Mm, I didn't see a plate. No, it was well, super... I think he took yeah, it out. Yeah, he kind of see it come yeah. out of the I'm fridge. guessing it wasn't sitting on the grate in the fridge. Right. I mean. yeah. Like, I don't know. In my house, when we have steak, it sits in the freezer until we're ready to cook it. Yeah. Or it comes home from Safeway and we cook it. It'll sit in the fridge for the, the day, but... It doesn't sit on a plate for days and days and days. And, yeah, and if I'm over at somebody's house, dog sitting, I'm like, oh, juicy steak. Juicy steak, sure. yeah. And, and and while he's doing that, he's got the chicken wing in his mouth. Yeah. I always found that gross. I don't like leaving food in my mouth. I don't hold things. Like, I eat, no. I eat food. I don't hold on to food. Yeah. And so, yeah, he slaps the, the steak down on the uh, on the kitchen. And I've never seen linoleum floor on a kitchen counter, i got to say. <laughs> but, like, think that about was, it. Mm, yeah, that was weird. You know, I did that. It was a trick. So when they drag, it was easier to set up the string to drag the steak, because you could you could you could hide the string, black string, in the gra- right. in, the, in the grate between the tiles. But yeah, I've never seen linoleum. I've seen linoleum on floors and on walls. Never seen it on a countertop. But what, you know, I don't know. You build houses. You put a lot of linoleum on countertops. Not much, no. No, that's no. not that's not a thing that's no. requested. No, it's not not something that's swinging back into style either. Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> the wallpaper swung back, but. It's a lot better product than it was in the 80s. One would think. Less lead, less lead I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, it's so the steak sort of bursts open. And that's another trick they could do with the linoleum because they can remove one of the panels and have the guy mm. pushing stuff up. And the, the, thing, the, burst, the steak bursts open. I'm not sure where, what's coming out of it, but it tears itself open and there's maggots. And he spits out the, the chicken wing because he's grossed out and he looks down. And there's maggots in that. So he runs to... Some sort of utility seat. Yeah, or something. washed out of his mouth. In the bathroom. Yeah, and then he looks up, and staring back at him is a really low quality, <laughs> low budget mask of himself that makes the ma- makes the felt the fake Arnold head from Terminator One look really good. Yeah, and this guy starts picking at himself until he starts. Like, like that was right. That, that was shocking to me, just because it's so out of like it's it's gory. Nothing else is. Mm-hmm. Like he literally starts tearing his skin off, and is and in the end he's like he's like he's this gored skull worth, and it's like that didn't fit with the rest of the film. That's the Toby Hopper influence. He, the, the guy who's actually credited with directing it. Right. Well, his last movie or his previous movie was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, yeah. So we need some gore. Yeah, and I found that disappointing because I don't think I think you could cut that scene out entirely. Like, it could end with him washing his mouth up. Yeah. Looking up at the uh, lights and cut, and I think you would lose nothing. It would just be less gross. But, yeah, so he won't be coming back. They announce the next yeah. day. Yeah, he's, he's done. I would be, too. For the record, if I look into your mirror and I start tearing my face off, I don't want to stay in your house again. Yeah, I'd be so. the same way. Mind you, if the house ate my kid, I probably won't want to stay there in the first yeah, place. Yeah, well, he coming back Or to if that. you called me and said, the house ate my kid... Or if Heather called me and said that, I wouldn't be like, oh, cool, I'll bring my video camera and let's hang out there. <laughs> yeah, you say, come on over, I got a couch for you. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Call me when you got your kid back. I don't get it. You're both parents. You don't have a problem with the child, your child being eaten by your house? What's your problem? At this point, this is where we actually learn about the cemetery. It's actually at that point where we learn you know, that, the, that everything's been built on a cemetery and the midget arrives. And I feel bad because I know she has a name. But she's, what is she, like a medium? Like a psychic? Or? She's not a medium. I'm not sure what she is. Yeah. She's like oh. a... Really? <laughs> oh, my God. What did you say? She, she ain't medium. She's like petite or, oh. or small. Or... <laughs> you can cut that out. I'm wrapping up right okay. now. Okay, you can cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think I'm leaving that one in. She looks ridiculous. I think that's why they chose someone who's yeah. short. Despite the fact that clearly she's an accomplished actress. Like, she does the part well. Mm-hmm. Mr. Freeling thinks it's hilarious. Like, he's laughing his ass off at her. And she goes upstairs and she starts asking questions and he's sitting there silently and says, why? And the wife says, why don't you answer? I'm answering with my mind. But she can't hear me. And then she calls up from yes, the Yes, I can. I am addressing the living. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's the room my son and daughter used to occupy. We believe it's the heart of the house. This house has many hearts. What is the matter? What's the matter? <laughs> was trying to answer her with my mind and she couldn't hear me. No, I thought you said this tin Gina Barron's was an extraordinary clairvoyant. I am. I just don't like trick answers. I like the rainbow joke too. 
Yeah, which side of the rainbow are you on? Are we looking on? Yeah, you know, follow me, Olivia Road. Yeah, it's it's a little much, but she turns out. I mean, she's creepy as hell, and part of it, I think, is the southern accent. Because if you think when this movie was made in the early '80s, this is sort of the the height of the Jimmy Swaggarts and the Jim Bakers. You know, these con men evangelical bible thumpers you know like the, the one they all went to jail right well, yeah. jim baker's back apparently but um yeah now he's he's selling buckets of food for the apocalypse or whatever he's a trump supporter and that's all i need to know moving on this is when these people were all really popular and they are all they all they all come from that southern baptist revival like tent revival tradition and not to you know not to denigrate them i have friends who are like you know i have a friend who's a texas evangelical christian that's about as evangelical as you get but she's a wonderful person and she's not like this but in the 80s because of the you know all these televangelists it adds that extra sense of creepy Mm -hmm. at least at least that's what i found you know that she's just a little i don't know just it sets me on edge that southern accent just same as creepy preacher guy in the second one he's got that southern accent and for whatever reason that scares the shit out of me maybe that's the start of my road to atheism is creepy southern preachers or something I don't well Bailey's gonna be so angry <laughs> but and yeah we get the sermon there's one more thing a terrible presence is in there with her so much rage so much betrayal I've never sensed anything like it I don't know what hovers over this house but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your dog away from you. It keeps Caroline very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It says things only a child can understand. It has been using her to restrain the others. To her. It simply is another child. To us, it is the beast. That's where we learned that the beast. Now, I always assume when they talked about the beast, they meant Satan. Is that so? That, that isn't that the Christian term? Isn't that generally a Christian term for Satan? One of them, I think. The, is the it? beast. Uh-huh. I don't know. Catholics, you tell me. I don't know. No, I don't remember. After that is the big operation, the big third act, where they write numbers on tennis balls. Because what they're going to do is they're going to open up this this closet, throw them in there, and they should drop down into the ceiling into the main into the den or the family room or whatever. And they do covered in again. I'm assuming Vaseline with pink food coloring or some goddamn thing. I don't know what it is. And then they send mom in tied to a rope, which is pretty cool. And I like that it is. Ne- there's never a thought that it'll be him, mostly because he's the biggest guy in the house. Well, there, there was. Uh, the, the medium says, I'm going in after her. Yeah. The mom says, let me, she won't come to you. And then they have the, you go first. Right, yes, right. You've never done this before. You're right, you go first. Oh, yeah, exactly. Thing, yeah. Um, but it's interesting then, that it's got to be the woman. The dad says, let me go. And the mom says, no, you have to stay. You're the only one of us that can hold this rope. You're right. Yeah, because he's, I mean, Craig Which G. Nelson, he's a big dude. Yeah, Craig G. Nelson's like six foot five. And he, you know, so this guy even, and he looked pretty, you know, he's 30 in that, which is scary to think of because he looks a lot older than 30. But, and actually he was wrong. He was 26, by the way. They were only, those two actors, by the way, were only four years older than the actress who played the teenager. No way. Yeah, it was really weird on the set because they're, they're peers. Yeah. Because the, the actress is older. She's not 15. She's, in fact, in her 20s. Was yeah. in her 20s. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah. Craig, I guess it, I always thought maybe it's a motherhood thing that it, a woman has to go in after the child. But, yeah, it is about mommy. I That's one thing that did impress me is that mom's really powerful here. The idea of motherhood and defending the children, it's meant to be a powerful theme. Yeah. 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 Well, and mothers are superheroes, whether... I give her enough credit, but mothers are... Are you listening to this wife of radio? Yeah. Yeah. So so it is cool. It's funny that you mentioned that because that is an underlying issue. And we talk about, oh, why are they still in the house? Why is... Because of that motherly bond, like, I'm not leaving my daughter. The the question is why the kids then? Why are the other kids still there? That would be my first survival. It's like, yeah, I've already had... My my house tried to eat one and successfully ate the other. I think we're going to move them out of the range of the house. Yeah. (laughs) The the house is not yet... At least to the neighbors. At least least out of reach of the tree, which is gone anyway, I guess. But yeah, so they they pull her out. And it's neat that we never really get a a feel for what the beast is in this one. I mean, the next one we will, but yeah, there's this, the scary face growling at them from the door. Mm-hmm. And there's that weird white spindly thing 
on the night after this, mm-hmm. right? Because we think it's the end and it isn't. But it only ever threatens her. It never touches her. It's, for all we know, it's just visual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? The only, there is, actually, there is the, the second time when the big, when the, when the, the, like the next night when the, the house opens or the, the closet opens up and it's like this seething organic whole, icky hole and yeah, tentacles the come tentacles. out of it. And the, but the tentacles ever grab them. I don't think. Nope. No. No, right. reach for them and then at that same time she kind of pulls them out yeah. of the room. But that's neat. Is that never, she's never touched. It's just suction. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all, and that's the interesting thing is like nothing ever seems to lay hands on them except the tree. Mm. You know, all, all those dead bodies, which my, my understanding is those were real dead bodies in the, uh, in the, in the pool. They, they weren't moving at all. I thought that was cool. Like the body would spit up and then just kind of bump into her. But like it wasn't reach. It wasn't this zombie apocalypse. But it's the same thing we saw in, in uh, Raiders. Mm-hmm. Where, the, right? moving the... Where the bodies move only because gravity is moving the head. Mm-hmm. And the screaming isn't from the bodies. It's from the wind or Marion screaming. Because what would you do if bodies fell on you? Uh, and it's the same here. That's a very similar scene. Yeah. One? I mean, the difference here is that ghosts are pushing bodies onto them but those bodies like you say it's not a zombie apocalypse those bodies are dead the owners of those bodies they're doing all the moving and they're using their own bodies as props Mm -hmm. and then we get sort of you know we get the sort of that ending with the you know we skipped over that they try to move out and apparently these these movers are really incompetent because they spent an entire day not packing them and moving because the art is still on the walls and the toys are still in there. Like, and he has to run to the office and disappears for, and I won't be late, but he comes back, it's dark, dark and everything. Well, like, what is he going to do with the also office? California, the sun sets South of here. Yeah. 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 So we're up here in Calgary. We're used to in the summertime, the, uh, the sun setting at like o'clock, nine yeah. o'clock at 10 o'clock at night. But yeah, it could be, but still it's been a few hours. It just seems like they weren't in any rush to leave. Well, and he's, he said it, the kids get sleepy, put them to bed. Yeah. Well, he says let them conk out until we go. Yeah. Remember, they plan to go to the to the to Holiday Inn yeah. that night, and yet these two are in their beds, in their jammies, throwing, trying to throw the thing on the creepy clown that's still there. Yeah, and then the clown attacks. Why isn't the clown loaded? Why not go to the hotel and let the movers move everything? Yeah, I know. It's, it, it, it was <laughs> plot hole. Plot hole. Yeah, I know. It was kind of silly that they even that after all of that they still stay in the house the next night. That just seems so stupid to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then the clown makes its move, and I love the boy. He just he's had enough of this shit. You know, <laughs> I hate you, Andrew. He's ripping stuff. Shreds this poor god. He's not taking shit from the clown. Yeah. But in the meantime, just like with the uh, with the tree, he's the distraction. They're attacking the boy as a distraction, mm-hmm. while Carol Ann stares blithely into the distance, while the closet once again tries to eat her. This time, represented by a big angry anus with tentacles Ugh. Mm. i guess that works in japan i don't know not so much here but i think they have cream for that <laughs> yeah if you come to me as a medic with a, with tentacles coming out of your anus i actually i guess refer to medical officer i don't yeah think, i don't think i'm sure yeah and all you gotta do is throw the cream into the room and i just it just, just does it itself prep age we need prep age bring the co and, and have him bring the padre <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's holy water and fire but you know it's and then there's that neat practical effect at the end. Like I said, up until its day, it was the most, and up until the 90s, it was the most expensive single line in movie history. And the house implodes. And what they did is they built a scale model of the house and using super powerful suction, imploded the house. Like vacuum suction of some sort, like awesome. sort of vacuum pack. And uh, my understanding is that I learned this from an old friend uh, I knew in high school. He'd read this thing like cool movie facts. It's sitting in a glass case in Spielberg's office. I'm sure by now it's long since gone. How long can you sit and look at a house? But we're talking about a basketball-sized item here. Mm -hmm. A one-third size house or one-quarter size model house was compressed into something you could put in your your office. Awesome. Which is very cool. And then they drive off. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, of course, whatever's going wrong in the neighborhood is going wrong if you notice up and down the street. Like if you notice down the street, there's a pillar of fire coming out of whatever. And when when they go back to the house during the second movie, the whole kiss of Verde, it's all abandoned and it's gated off. Oh. Like people left their cars and ran. Huh. Which, because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Same thing of having, you know, the, the house eat my child. If I were next door and saw that shit, it's like, honey. Time to go. Don't minutes, call bro. their movers. Whatever you yeah. do, don't, don't call, call their, their movers. movers. Yeah. yeah. Call better movers. We yeah. discovered that Atlas van lines are incompetent movers in 1981 case of air day. They've come a long way because they're still here today. And they, so. yeah, so clearly they've, they've done okay. And, you know, it's, 
whatever works. You, you got to sort of feel bad for the companies like you know these all these you know all these sorts of deals for product placement. They're always negotiated. They have to be. Mm-hmm. And Atlas probably said, yeah, sure, whatever, cool, we'll give you a van. We'll give you a couple shirts for our employees. And they, someone must have been watching that thinking, oh, my God, oh. We, we put our name on this. Can we get it back? No, it's in theaters. Oh, you, got, you already cashed your $70 check. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, God damn it. So, like, that's it. It's like, yeah, don't go to them. They won't pack you and move you anytime <laughs> soon, you know, and the house will have another opportunity to eat you. So let's start a moving company. If your house tries to eat you, we'll have you out that day. Yeah. <laughs> That's our motto. That's our motto. No second chances. No no second helpings by your house. Yeah. But, they finish it off on yeah, a light, yeah. on a Steven Spielberg light note. And they go yeah. to the hotel and, and they the go TV in up. and then he just rolls the TV out. And but, then... It, yeah. Yeah. And then they never really on. get around to t- saying though, do they? That it's not the TV. No. It never had anything to do with the TV. The TV's how they communicated with her because it got her attention. Mm-hmm. She's a kid in the 80s. So of course it did. But it never had anything to do with the TV. Right. Did the medium say that? No. 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 Because they talk about the yeah, heart of the house no. and they're talking about the kid's room. Remember the, the, the old lady with the red hair? Yeah. Uh, the, the parapsychologist says, we believe it's the heart of the house. This house has many hearts. Right. And that's where we realize that, you know, something very wrong here. That it's, you know, there's a, you know, the sort of the the exit from this house into the whatever plane is the kid's closet. Yeah. And the reentry is... Five feet above the floor in the in the ceiling. Well, yeah, the grad students were talking about it too. Like when there's no signal, the the, the, the TV can pick up anything. Well, yeah, and that's true. So right here, the speakers we're using. We used to watch this. Um, you'll notice I have the, the the cord hanging by like on the wall. I've got a, yep. I've got using a push pin. Depending on the time of year, I have to move that cord because they're unshielded speakers, and so oh, sometimes. Man. There are certain times of the year, usually uh, January, February, for whatever reason, where I have to turn these off if I'm not watching something because I can hear a radio signal through it. Neat. Not really when you're trying to do something else. Well, no, but... Yeah, I'm hearing voices. John Denver, is that you? Like, it's... like As I'm, long as your closet doesn't try to eat you, you're yeah. probably yeah. okay. <laughs> the problem is it picks up this crappy, like, country station. Like, I'm hearing... One oh. night I heard John Denver. It's like, either John Denver is speaking to me from the grave or I've got shitty speakers. Until the closet tries to eat me, I'm going to go with shitty speakers. Yeah, go with that one, yeah. But, you know, there's no room in that closet to eat me. Are you kidding me? It's more cluttered than the kids' room. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess, does this movie hold up, do you think? I mean, you've never seen it before, but you've certainly seen a few 80s movies. What do you think? Well, now I have something to refer back to the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors episode. This is true. Uh, does it hold up compared to the Simpsons from 1985 or 1989 or whatever? The Treehouse of Horrors. No, I like theirs better. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think from an 80s standpoint, you know, we talked about Stranger Things today, mm-hmm. and there's a movie or a TV series that has some... Uh, well, it's designed to push our buttons. Yeah. Like, it's designed to push 80s buttons. Yeah, it's got some futuristic technology or today's technologies, but the produ- the producer of that is really focused on... You mean the special effects. The special effects yeah, yeah. guys, like everyone, the writer wants this 80s vibe. vibe, and, and I really do get that, and I think this movie gives that 80s vibe. Well, because it was made um, in the 80s, so yeah, I, of course. I, it's probably 40 minutes too long. The whispering voices, maybe in theater, maybe something like that could have been... Well, it's also we had the window open because we were better, suffocating here. But yeah, yeah. Could, but even when before we did that it was really quiet i see you playing around with the volume you know i, I so think that there was some again. disparity between you know being slow and and being quiet and yeah. trying to create that like we have to whisper because mm-hmm. it's listening uh effect and I, so i think from an 80s movie standpoint i think it holds up um i don't think it's as scary or as you know good as some other films mm-hmm. so i I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with this one to whether it holds up or not that's fair yeah for me it... It doesn't hold up to my childhood expectations, but I was, this is 1982, so I was like seven or eight when I saw this film. Yeah, it scared the holy hell out of me. But like I said, I saw it in the 90s, and it was fantastical. It, it, it just, it, it's got the, the Spielberg fingerprints all over it, and it's its less scary than I think the opening of the arc. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it's hard for me to judge whether it, whether it holds up because... It no longer terrifies me as it once did, which is probably a good thing because I'm 42. This still, this movie still terrified me. I better stop this podcast. But uh, I just think it's a good movie. Like it's it's Spielberg's only attempt at pure horror. I don't think he's ever not that I can think of that he's ever ever done anything else that was meant to be a horror film, a scary movie. He does war films. He does tragedy. You know, like war tragedy, like Schindler's List. There's Saving Private Ryan, of course. He's done great historical epics like Lincoln. He's done great sci-fi. He's done 
mean, you name it. But this is the only horror he's done, and I think it's sort of a relic of that early, because you know Spielberg's movies in those areas were always so family friendly and mm-hmm. you know, Close Encounters and ET and Raiders. These are incredible films, even Jaws. But this is his that's a more of a monster movie. It's not so much a horror film, is it? Um, this one is his. It's sort of the black sheep of the Spielberg family. And it's not to give to- it's not fair on Toby Hopper. I'm sure he was involved. He just passed away last year. He clearly had a say, especially that gory scene. Mm-hmm. But it's it, the, the Spielberg fingerprints are on it, and so I have to give it. I think I have to give it a pass just because. Well, it, it was well early, done. It's early Spielberg. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's well done. It's just not the special effects. Don't. It's not my kind of movie. No, no. I, I mean, nine year old me would have turned it off and wandered wandered away. Yeah, and I was never much of a horror film. As into horror films as a kid because they scared me too much and now I just find them boring because I know they're bullshit though there's one called It Follows which scares the shit out of me because it's about well we should you know, that's another time but it's essentially whatever it is just keeps walking at you it just keeps coming and coming and coming and it never stops and it never stops it doesn't matter how fast you run you could run a million miles a minute and it's still eventually going to catch up to you and that it is someone you trust so maybe you see your grandmother walking at you and it's just the idea is that you can't ever stop moving and when it gets nose to nose with you, you're done. And of course, that of course, that's my horror trigger is coming face to face with me. So, well, the two the two things you said are does it hold up? I mean, at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a horror movie. It's not really scary. It's kind of hokey. Yeah. So it doesn't really hold up as an '80s horror flick. Um, not that many horror flicks are going to hold up in the '80s in today's world. Yeah. Um, but it does hold up as a good, you know, Spielberg '80s movie. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, it's okay, very enough, '80s. Yeah. It's very. But I don't know that it holds up as a as a. It's not a scary movie. It's not scary. Um, and it's funny, you talk about horror movies, and, and I don't watch horror movies anymore because the special effects and the kids creeping across the ceiling. and Too much they, they do too much of the, like, nothing's happening. All of a sudden, they look this way, and there's a face over the Jump shoulder. Scare. Jump scares. Yeah. yeah, and then the other part I don't like is spiritual scary. Really? Like, the movie that creeps me out that I think is a fantastic movie is the movie called Fallen with Denzel Washington. And I know of it. He, he's, a, he's a police a detective who is at somebody's... Is that the one where everyone's always singing Time is Time's on My Side? side because that this creature's hopping from person to person. Yeah, him. and he, he ends up arresting this guy and is on death row and he goes to his execution and he's singing it while he gets executed. Time is on my side. And then a few, day, a few days later or whatever, someone, and it's like by touch or something, and it, he can't get away from it, and it's just like psychological thriller, psychological yeah. horror movie. Yeah. Those so, ones. So it's get a ghost. Me. It's a ghost trying yeah. to touch. Yeah. Yeah. So whereas, yeah. So it's uh, it, it's funny because different I'm, buttons that are pushed, yeah. right? Well, that's the thing with horror, right? Like it's what scares people is cultural, as much as anything else. The culture of the '80s is different. Like that suburban lifestyle, you don't see that very much anymore. Right. Not not in that way. Kids are connected. They're living on their phones. It's a very different world. But that film probably wouldn't have scared people from the '40s. It would have been something different. Right. You know, it, it's... The culture changes, so what is scary changes. Mm-hmm. Also, because, you know, tolerance goes up, and so you have to get scarier, you have to be more extreme, a little more gory. They remade this film, apparently. And the only... I only ever saw the trailer, but instead of the girl you know, gliding across the floor because the poltergeist is moving her, she's violently torn up the stairs. Oh. And I, 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 I stopped the trailer right there, like, and I'm out. Yeah. You know, Mike drop. I'm out. Yeah, and that was it. So yeah, so I guess it's sort of a split decision here. It maybe holds up. It maybe doesn't. I'm going to give it a three out of five. I don't know where you two stand. I was in the two to two and a half ballpark because it's it isn't a like the acting isn't terrible. There's not a lot of bad screaming. Actually, yeah, there's there's not a lot of bad screaming. Like I've seen some bad yeah. '80s horror movies. Um, I, I thought the storyline progressed well and things like that. So two and a half, I think, is probably a fair rating. Why don't you? Um, outside of it not being my kind of movie, <laughs> um, it's well done. Yeah, the, the acting is good. Would you recommend it to someone? I'm looking for a scary movie, Heather. Should I watch? Should I watch Poltergeist? Depends on your attention span. <laughs> It's that that's slow burn at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so someone under twenty, not so much. Maybe someone over thirty. Yeah, through the first half of the movie, and then the second half's pretty good. Yeah. How, how do you feel about clowns? Yeah, fair enough. Well, I have a friend in Carolina who would she'd see that and she'd turn it off. She's, yes, yeah. I, I probably would. If if someone's a horror fan and looking for a classic '80s horror, I would probably say yeah. Yeah, and I recommend Poltergeist all the time. Yeah. So. And so. what's your star rating on? Mm, three and a half. Three and a half. Oh, 
Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm wavering three and a half ish. Somewhere yeah, two and a half, three probably. All right. so, and so there it is. So two down. Hopefully you both sleep all tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that will. <laughs>